Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health. Ash for short. Ash is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best in class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. You can access the virtual care provider at, at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to Ash today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible-reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, righteously American. Hey, 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 you know what time it is. It's time for podcasting goodness coming directly to you from Family Vision Media. FamilyVisionMedia.org is where you can find out more about what we are doing to push back in the culture and to spread the biblical worldview to Christian parents and families. So I am really excited to introduce our next guest to the program. We are so blessed to have someone with us who um, is spending his time actually leading flocks of Christians. He is the pastor of Hope Central Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, his name is Robert Martin, and we thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Stacy. I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate all that you're doing for the kingdom. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you because um, I have people reaching out to me all the time in email and direct messages, and they're saying things like, you know, I feel beaten. I feel um, I feel, you know, depressed or I feel robbed. I'm really interested in, I, I want to do something. I want to be active. I want to be on the right side of things, but I'm frustrated. And when I hear that, I know that what God says to us in those times is run to the rock, run to the shelter of the almighty. But there right. are certain specific things we can do. It's not just about, you know, quote finger, you know, uh, maybe a little slogan or something that we Christians say to each other, you know, turn to Jesus. There are practical things that we can do to help us get through this time. And we're disappointed. It's almost like a death in the family when you pray for something for, you know, years on end. I I know many of us have been praying for President Trump to have a second term for years. Um, And if not for President Trump specifically, praying for a pro-life uh, leadership to be installed in 2021, praying for, um, you know, just just the ability to exercise our freedoms in this country. 
Right. And instead of that, we have a situation where we actually have a very ungodly administration coming in and they're coming in tomorrow. This happens tomorrow. So we're less than 24 hours away from seeing a lot of the gains that we made in the last four years obliterated. But that is not the way God views what's happening in our country. So I wanted to bring you on to to encourage us because, you know, the other thing that's really crazy about this particular inauguration, Pastor we are not all in church as a nation. We usually every Sunday, every Saturday evening, every Sunday evening, it's like 48 hours of nonstop prayer, worship, praise, and the teaching and preaching of God's word on the weekends. And because churches are closed or their occupancy has been greatly diminished, that is not the case. And I I believe that has an impact on us. Absolutely. And because of that, it's, it's opened up the airwaves for the enemy. Uh, we, we understand that the devil is the prince of the air, and there's principalities and powers. And by limiting and diminishing, as you said, the effectiveness of churches and corporate worship, that allows the voices of in, the enemy to be heard more so than the voices of God throughout the the air. So even what you're doing in the airway right now is is in relation to that, but even more so, all the churches that are sending up prayers and praise and worship, as you said before, I believe that combats that spirit that's work in the air. And when that, I think the enemy is not blind to that. If he can limit that, restrict that, uh, it, it can create more power for him, at least in his mind. But I, I want to say this, however, even though Trump is not won't be in office, Jesus is still on the throne. So we have that going for us, first of all. And nothing has dethroned him. Nothing has limited him. Nothing has taken away his power. He's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And uh, he's not giving up on us. He hasn't turned a blind eye to us. He knows and sees everything that's going on. And I believe what we have to summon up within our spirit is, of course, prayer, but prayer in faith. We, we have to have faith over fear. I know a lot of people, I deal with a lot of people right now, that are fearful of what's going to happen. And I can understand, because I, I can see things as well. But I have to let my, my faith overcome my fear. And you might say, well, how, how do you do that? Well, fear, fear is just misplaced faith. It's faith in the wrong thing. Fear is faith in the enemy. It's faith in circumstances. It's faith in consequences. But we have to have faith in the right thing. So I say this, if anybody can have fear, they can have faith. If they have the capacity to fear, they have the capacity to have faith. It's a matter of shifting that paradigm in our hearts and our minds and understanding that he that is for us is greater than he that's against us. And the the will of God will still be performed. Man is not going to stop it. Man can try to thwart it, change it, rearrange it, but the will of God will be accomplished. Amen. So I could feel the hope coursing through my veins as you were talking. And I think it's, it's telling it doesn't, I really believe that in times like these, you can, you can pray and read your Bible and you can listen to praise and worship music, but the power of, um, you know, media personalities and the constant drumbeat of negative news and the imagery that we're currently seeing right now with the Capitol lockdown, concertina wire, big black fences that are normally used 
uh, in Afghanistan and, and, you know, in the Middle East where we control certain areas and we have to protect our troops, those kinds of uh, these are implements that are being used now in the Capitol. And that imagery is jarring for people, Uh, just like last year when coronavirus first hit. And it was the first time our children had ever seen empty grocery shelves. And, you know, it was disconcerting. You look at it and you think, I know we have food at home. I know that this is a temporary situation, but it's still it can strike fear into what you know because it kind of blows through your sense of normalcy. And so the the key here is, as you mentioned, we have to go to the place where we know we're fighting our battles. When the Bible says when we pray, we are seated in heavenly places and that our worship, it has power. And there's a song uh, that's on Christian radio often and, and, and the title of it or the the kind of the main refrain is this is how we fight our battles. And so it's yeah. praise and worship. That's when we engage in warfare, but it's not so much us going up against the enemy as it is us training our eyes on the one who has already won this battle so that he can replenish us, replenish us because pastor, we actually are responsible as Christians for encouraging other people with that same encouragement that we ourselves have received. So it's not just about making ourselves feel more confident or feel better or, you know, strengthening our own faith only. There's a secondary component, which is this is the time where we can go out and someone who's not really open to maybe coming to church with you, they'll come if you invite them now. Um, If you talk to them about Jesus Christ now, they'll listen. They won't shut you down as fast because the uncertainty is palpable. You can feel it everywhere that you go. And so the the key here is for us as Christians to discharge our duty to disciple other people into the kingdom of God. Exactly. We have to be Christ-centric, and we all have uh, issues that we believe in, uh, abortion and different things that we're totally opposed to in any scenario and situation. But we, we have to we have to make sure that our primary focus is Christ over party or even over a politician, because people in any situation will let us down, but God never will. He he's he will never he will never fail us. And as far as reaching out, I think it's very important that we, we promote faith. Like like Paul on the shipwreck. He he had a visit from an angel. Everybody thinks they're dying, they're all gonna to starve to death, they're gonna be destroyed in the shipwreck. And Paul said, I've heard from God tonight. And God told me to tell you that none of us are gonna perish and nobody's going to lose a hair off of their head. And they all were spared. They couldn't believe it. Where did this guy come from? But he heard from a different source outside of all the circumstances and everything they saw. All they could see was destruction and death and chaos. But in the midst of that, the voice of God came to a man of God who stood in the midst of that storm and said, Listen to me. You're all going to make it. And that is the voice that our world needs to hear. The church needs to hear that that we are going to make it. We're going to make it through all this, no matter how frightful it might appear. And uh, reaching out to other people, as you said, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people recently who are living with this dread and fear, and I'm trying to convert them from, as I said earlier, from fear to faith, get that place in the right direction, and, and begin to call upon the name of the Lord, because He hears us. And we have to understand, He wants everyone to be saved. The Bible tells us that in Second Peter 3 and 9, he's not willing for any to perish. And that's even people that we may not like. He, he, he wants everybody to be saved. He is very inclusive. So when, when I preach and when I reach out, I'm reaching for everybody. I'm reaching for 
the Republican, the moderate, the Democrat, the conservative, the liberal. I'm reaching for everyone because I want them to be saved. And if they come to know Christ, you know this, Stacy. if they come to know him, some of their philosophies and ideologies are going to change because of the light that Christ is and is going to show them. So we have to have revival. We need revival across every spectrum, across every ideology. And people say, well, how can you do that if people are poles apart? Let me let me share this with you, Stacey, and your audience. When Jesus selected his disciples, one of them was Matthew, the tax collector. And as a tax collector, he was a Jew who worked for the Roman government. He's despised. And, you know, some things never change as far as taxes. He was despised because he was a tax collector working for the government. Then he selected Simon the Zealot, who was a zealot who was an insurrectionist against the Roman government. So he's got two guys in his inner circle who would be at each other's throats. Simon would want to kill Matthew. And Jesus says, hey, guys, come sit by me. Sit with me because I'm going to transform you into my disciples regardless of what your ideology is, and we're going to change the world and turn it upside down with you, Matthew, and with you, Simon. So we're going to lay this stuff down, and the kingdom of God is going to be birthed in your hearts, and love is what's going to change the world. That's what Jesus does for us. So he, he reaches. And even when Jesus was on the cross, symbolically, if you would notice, he had a thief on each side. So Jesus reached with one hand to the left. He reached with one hand to the right. He was constantly, all through his life and his ministry, eating with people that he wasn't supposed to eat with, touching people he wasn't supposed to touch, ministering to people that they didn't want to be ministered to, reaching across the spectrum, left, right, everybody. This revival I'm talking about, Stacy, is it's not just going to be for us conservatives. These these some of these people that are yahoos out there, they're going to be converted, receive the spirit of God, and become the light as well. I believe that. Well, Pastor, I hope you are right. I know you're right because when you're telling the story of Jesus bringing those two guys together, I think of sometimes you know the first day at Bible study, you show up all new group, you've never seen anybody before. And after everyone introduces themselves and you start talking and studying, you think it always happens to me. I always think there's no one here for me. None of these women are like my age or none of them have kids my age or none of them live in the part of town. It's always, oh, man, I got into a bad group. And then, you know, as the weeks go by, by the third or fourth week, I've already seen by women sharing, just talking in the Bible study, I'll realize, oh, wow, I, I need to pray for her over that because I've experienced that. Or, um, you know, exactly. I, actually, she and I are the same. We On the surface, we don't look the same. But on, underneath, she and I are struggling with the same thing. And by the end of the Bible study, I'm literally, I feel like the women are my sisters and we are so closely bound together because God's word unifies. It it does It divides when when it goes out to someone who is at first resistant to it, um, but it never returns void. And and as it begins to do its work, the thing that God's word does, separating truth from lies and bringing the light into people's minds so that they can see the truth, it removes the scales from your eyes, it, it lifts your countenance, it renews your mind. Once those things begin to take place, the barriers or differences, they melt away. And so I, that's exactly what I'm praying for. We need revival. We often pray for it in um, 
you know, we need the liberals to come to Christ, blah, blah, blah. But we need it on, on the, the conservative side, too. We have plenty of people oh, exactly. on the right who are political only. They don't know Jesus. So revival exactly. is for all of us, just as you said. And we can't we and we have to be careful not to be antagonistic to the point of pushing people away from Christ. They 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 need to see him in us. We're supposed to be like little Jesuses going around filled with his spirit and people see the light and not pick up on darkness. Speak speaking about that, uh I happened to be in Washington DC the the day or the evening when Kavanaugh was uh, appointed when when Trump uh, appointed him or turned him in to be you know to be uh, put on the court and that so that very night my daughter was in DC at a leadership meeting as a sophomore and I was there with her and when all that went down I said I'm going to drive over to the Supreme Court and see what's going on so I drove over walked in and, and there was a mass of people there protesting Kavanaugh and just railing all the signs and all the stuff and I walked among in the midst of that and just kind of walked, meandered through it, and just picking up on the just the evil intent of, of so many of those people. And I went to the edge, and there was one young guy from Minnesota. He was a student, and he was holding just holding a little sign that says, "You know, Jesus loves the unborn babies too," or something like that. And then to his left, there was a, a Jewish man who was just there praying. He was just praying. And the pe- the people began to come around those, the only two witnesses that were there, and they were just kind of getting in their faces and hollering and all kinds of stuff. And so I went and stood by them and so forth. And then toward the end, some of the main ringleaders of that, I said, I want, I'd like to talk to you a little while. You know, who are you? I'm a preacher. And we sat when the big crowd left. There were seven or eight of us that sat on the steps of the Supreme Court and uh, outside, and as we were talking, I said, look, I know I, this is where you're coming from, this is where I'm coming from, but I want us to sit here and talk. I want you to talk to me, and, and you let me talk to you. And we talked, and we conversed to the point where the those people actually went to the guy that they were railing against and apologized to him and said, you know, I, I got out of hand, I shouldn't act that, act that way. And I actually prayed over them. And and I said, you know, I'm, I'm asking God to touch your eyes and touch your heart. But my point is, that would have never happened if I would have just went into hollering and screaming at them. I think that, you know, the Spirit of God is able to move if if we will allow Him to do so in our lives. And He'll create a door and an opportunity to share the light in the midst of the darkness. Oh, that is so encouraging because I watched the videos of the people outside the Supreme Court on the day that Kavanaugh, you know, it would, the, some of them were scratching their nails off on the wooden doors oh, yeah. and, you know, hurling their bodies up against the doors. And I, I felt in just in my opinion, as a regular like person, I just felt like it was, yeah, demonic. It seemed demonic to me. And I was, I was, um, I mean, I was, it just shocks you to your core. But then again, we are all shocking sinners. The only reason that those of us are who are Christians can see the shocking sin in other people is because of the work of the Holy Spirit within us that helps us to kind of, we move away from where we were, but we're all still on the path trying to get closer to Jesus, closer to what God's word says we should be. And we all need Amen. reminding of that. And I think what you just shared, that's our blueprint to try to get one or two people to talk and then to hear the perspective outside of the noise and the anger to bring the temperature down and then to share the gospel with them. And even if they don't receive it right then, our job is not the success or the results. 
our job is to plant the seed, sow the gospel, and then Jesus is responsible for the results. He is responsible for the success. And we know he had not one unsuccessful encounter in his 33 years on this earth. He did not have one that was like, you know what, Jesus? No, thanks. No, no one said that to him. So we know if we leave the success to him, he'll, he'll get it. He'll get the success. What we have to do is be willing to do what you did, which was, you know, hang around a bit afterwards, actually engage it's, it's hurtful when you get attacked by people who are politically opposite of you, but I find that the attacks are coming from a place of fear, and also there's just the, the idea that people on the right are these big, huge, racist boogeymen, and exactly. it doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm black, and they still believe that about me, that I'm a racist against my own self and my own family and everyone else, <laughs> exactly. and so exactly. you know that's ridiculous, but that's what they believe, so I have to get past that, and Sometimes it doesn't work, but I have had liberals tell me before, oh, well, you know, at least you're nice about it or, or at least you're willing to have the conversation. Uh, most people like you aren't. And, and I always say, actually, more people like me are willing to are just scared because you guys come off as being really intolerant and they say, no, you guys are intolerant. I said, see, there, there's the problem. If everyone thinks the other <laughs> exactly. one's intolerant, we can never talk. So um, I, I'm, I'm encouraged, but I, so as we're closing out here, pastor, I'm, I'm wanting something concrete. Like if you were talking, you, you are talking to the audience here, what top three things would you say, you know, you should be engaging in these activities every day um, for your own good, which by, extension, anything that God does for me that's good, it's actually good for my whole family. My husband and my kids experience the goodness of whatever God blesses me with. And then by extension, people who listen to the podcast or the radio show receive that goodness of God because it comes out there as well. So if we're doing something to try to get closer to God, we are actually benefiting the world because our relationship with him has a ripple effect. So what would you say the top three things you would recommend to the listeners to get into right now? And they're, they're going to hear this today. Um, they're hearing this right now. Get into it and then start it as a regular routine so that tomorrow for the inauguration and every day after that, we don't have to be ruled by what's happening in this world. Thank you. I, uh, pray in confidence and in faith. Uh, most people here know the scripture, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Being humble, praying, seeking his face. What does that mean? To begin to look like and become like him, see him. Turn from our wicked ways, not just judge everyone else's wicked ways, but our own. Pray. So I, the, the first thing, and I know it's nothing new, and they've heard it millions of times, but pray, communicate with God, and then he will hear from heaven. He will forgive the sin of the nation, is what he's saying here, and he will heal the land. We need forgiveness. We need healing. And it's an if-then proposition. If my people will, I will. What we need is a revival of prayer, and we need a revival of worship. Get to the church house. Get there on Sundays, whenever service. Be a worshiper, because that sound that's emanating from you, that's rising up through all the darkness and the confusion and the chaos that goes up into the heavens, that is that is helping to fight the spiritual battle against the prince of the air. 
be a worshiper. Don't don't just sit on your hands and look and think and wonder about everybody else in the building. You be the worshiper. If nobody else does, you do. You pray, you worship, and you also be kind. Be nice to people, even if they're not to you. Jesus tells us this, turn the other cheek and all of these things. It's very hard to do. Jesus said, pick up a cross and follow me. What, what kind of invitation is that? You're inviting me to be executed. But the point is, this person, this person that I am, has to decrease so that he'll increase. The John the baptizer said, I must decrease. If I increase, he will decrease. If I decrease, he will increase. It's an inverse relationship. So I have to decrease through prayer through fasting, through worship, decrease my pride, my selfishness, and let Christ increase. Because if I increase, he decreases. And what we need, we need an increase of God. And the increase of God will, become, will come because of a decrease in our own lives. And understand, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. When Peter wrote that in Second Peter, the promise is about his second coming. I believe the Lord's coming. I believe we're living in the end time. I believe he's going to come and gather his church. But listen to what he said. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise about him coming. He's going to come. Not like some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. What I get from that, all of the different things that have happened, prophecy, This has to happen. That has to happen. What is preventing the coming of the Lord? I believe Peter touches it right here. I believe the reason the Lord hasn't come yet, because the most solid evidence of end time was the reformation of Israel uh, when it became a nation. Why has he not come? The Bible says here, because he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. I believe he's delaying his coming so that more people can be saved. And we we need to reach out to these people and help usher in the kingdom of God in, in our lives. Oh, so amen to everything that you said, Pastor. And so I'm 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 so hopeful that if you're listening to this right now, you understand that you just had an appointment. You just heard from a pastor of Hope Central Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Robert Martin. Pastor Martin just shared something with you that is so important because a lot of people don't pay attention to uh, to the prophecies because they get mocked. Oh, he was supposed to be coming, you know, 50 years ago. He was supposed to come 10 years ago. You think he's coming tomorrow? Okay, whatever. That is something that you should not pay attention to because we know that he's coming and we know that he is going to uh, come on his own time frame. But when Pastor Martin says, uh, I have uh, uh, confidence that it's because he's long suffering and he doesn't want anyone to perish. Think about the people in your life who don't know Jesus. Amen. Think about the fact that eternity is forever. We are eternal beings. When we leave behind these broken, messed up bodies and we get our created bodies, we're going on into eternity. We never die. But those who don't know Jesus, it's not that they're going to die. They're going to be dead to the Father, but they're going to go on in eternity, gnashing of teeth, wailing, eternal separation from God. 
Christians have an obligation to tell people that those are the two options. There is no, you know, just disappearing and going off into the ether and, you know, not being conscious of yourself. We will still be conscious after we die in these bodies. So um, God doesn't want people to be eternally separated from him, which is why we've been given just one more day to tell people about Jesus Christ, just one more opportunity. And so, yeah, the prophecies have been fulfilled. The 10 nations in the Middle East signing peace agreements under the Trump administration, that's another prophecy fulfilled. We're talking right. about being so close, so close. So um, thank you so much. I'm, I, I'm so energized by our conversation, and I hope that listeners will share this, uh, share this podcast with a friend. Just tell them, hey, would you listen to this? I think it's pretty interesting. It's encouraging. And, and let the, the, what the pastor has shared today go out and and make the difference. Don't it's not about me. Um it's about the word that Jesus Christ has given us for this moment to share. And then you know the cool thing about podcasts is you just send the link to someone. You don't even have to say anything. I get it happens to me all the time. Someone will say you have to hear this. I click on I listen and sometimes I'm blessed and sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't I don't know why they sent me that. <laughs> but you know the point is I usually click through and listen. So share the podcast with some people that are in your life that need to hear this message. And I just want to say thank you one more time. And I hope to have you on the nighttime show on Sirius XM, Pastor, Pastor of Hope Central Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Pastor Robert Martin. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Stacy. I'll be praying for you and your audience, and thank you for the honor. Oh, thank you. you. All right. God bless you. All right. That is the podcast for today. Find out more at familyvisionmedia.org, and we will be back with you soon. Don't forget to check out Alliance. Go to StacyOnTheRight.com and click the banner link to find out more.